0: Okay, we are starting a new worship series today, Uh, three weeks. It is a short one, but an important one, and we're calling it Good Trouble. You all familiar with that phrase, Good Trouble? Uh, Good Trouble, the name, is based on the the phrase that was really made popular and and coined by civil rights leader and congressman John Lewis. Uh, And the idea was that, you know, sometimes when things aren't right, even if it's illegal, Uh, you ought to do the thing that's going to get you into trouble because it's the right thing to do. So the way that John Lewis talked about it is, if if you see something that is not fair, not right, not just, you do something. You get yourself into trouble, even and especially if it is good trouble. So that's where the name comes from. Uh, But then the overall theme of the series is largely based on a book by Jamar Tisby, uh, the the book is called How to Fight Racism. Jamar Tisby is a theologian and a historian, and he really tries to balance these two things. Uh, he has a deep love for the church. He himself is a follower of Jesus, and so his his goal is to be able to provide resources, even provide a framework for individual Christians and churches as a whole to be able to navigate this and to be able to fight racism because of their connection to the faith. And so the framework that he offers up in this book and the one that we're going to be following over these three weeks, a letter for each week, is ARC. So A-R-C, we've got awareness, we have relationships, and then commitment, So today, we are, of course, starting with the A, awareness, and to kick this all off, we are starting with a story about a man named Abram from the first book of the Bible. So as the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, if you're unfamiliar with it, kind of gives the story of, um, this is the beginning of the world, okay? This is how you can think about the world starting and, and God creating everything good within it, and then things go off the rails really quickly And so the rest of Genesis is, how is God going to work with humanity to get things back in order so the world as it is can be more like the world as it should be? And really quickly, we see that that plan, you'd say that maybe uh, there's mixed success. There's not mixed success. Uh, in the book of Genesis. Mostly there's failure in trying to accomplish this. So the, it starts off with creation, everything's good, right? Within two chapters, by the third chapter of Genesis, things go off the rails, and then God tries to correct that. He tries, God tries to work with humanity to make it better. Uh, by nine chapters in, uh, this is the story of Noah and the flood, where everyone except Noah's family and the animals that are on the ark Are completely wiped out. God's like, let's completely start over. That did not work. Let's do something else. Something's got to change. But then that plan goes off the rails. As soon as they hit dry ground, Noah gets off the boat. His family gets off the boat. They start having a party. Uh, Noah's son gets his dad drunk. Noah's not happy about that, so he curses his son. Things are going great. Uh, just a couple chapters after that, then there's this story called the, the Tower of Babel where the, the people have, uh, they've come together, great, but they've come together around this plan of they're going to build up this tower so that they can be like God. And God shuts that down. Things are going really poorly. And so finally by chapter 12, where we're going to focus today, this is like an inflection point where things were really wide God's work was really wide to this point and now the aperture narrows to start working with this one man and his family. Uh, The man's name was Abram. So this is the story from Genesis 12 verses 1 through 9. It's up here on the screen behind me. Now the Lord said to Abram, go out from your country, your relatives and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Then I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will exemplify divine blessing. I will bless those who bless you, but the one who treats you lightly I must curse. And all the families of the earth will bless one another by your name. So Abram left just as the Lord had told him to do, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they left for the land of Canaan. they entered the land of Canaan. Abram traveled through the land as far as the oak tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. So Abram built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Then he moved from there to hill country east of bethel and pitched his tent with bethel on the west and ai on the east there he built an altar to the lord and worshiped the lord abram continually journeyed by stages down to the negev so we have this man abram and we're told that abram is from it's a little confusing because in this chapter we're told that abram lives in a in a place called haran uh in another chapter we're told that he's from a place called ur ur of the chaldeans it's a little bit confusing like where is he actually from where is he actually living at this time um we're not fully sure maybe he lived in both places maybe he lived in one and it got uh mistranslated at some point it uh, got confused at some point, and he didn't actually live in the other. No matter what the case is, in either of these places that he's living, he's living in one of the more affluent places in the world at this time, about 4,000 years ago. And uh, we're told, because of like, the list of different things that he had, that Abram had it pretty good. He had a great wife. He had this great nephew that lived with him. He had all of these possessions. He had, uh, including humans, apparently. Uh, He has it good. He has a good, comfortable life living in uh, one of the most affluent places in the world to this time. And then God shows up. And God is not happy with this comfort or he's not satisfied with this comfort. He notices, Abram notices as Uh, God comes to him that something has got to change. This comfort is not going to be good. It is not going to last. And God is going to ask Abram to do something uncomfortable. And so he says, get up. Go from this comfort. Go to this new land. When you get there, I'm going to bless the people who bless you. I'm going to curse the people who curse you. Great, good deal. But on top of that, through you being blessed, you are going to be a blessing to all of the rest of these people, all these other people groups. I'm going to bless you in order that you might be a blessing to everyone else. And so there is this like open question about what Abram is actually going. He's 75 years old. He's living in, And yet, somehow, in hearing this, hearing about the possibility and the challenge that is before him, Abram too recognizes, I can't stay here. There's an awareness that happens that something has to change. And so Abram picks up, grabs his wife, grabs his nephew, grabs his possessions, and they go on this continual journey. And what we see as the story unfolds, as we continue to read through the the book of Genesis, is that he makes this journey. It takes a long time. It is a hard thing that he has brought upon himself. He screws up a lot. He makes a lot of mistakes. And yet, each step of that journey saying, now that I'm aware of this, I can't stay here. I need to move because things cannot stay this way. He eventually gets... To the place where he is able to be blessed, in order that that blessing can extend beyond him. And so the aperture, which began really wide, right, and then it narrows down to God working specifically through this man and this family, it then, through this man and this family, widens even further. The blessing is not just for this man and his family, but the blessing is meant for everyone. It is meant for the whole world, even. Why on earth are we as a church insistent that we need to talk about racism and fighting racism, about a a, a courageous confrontation of racism? Well, it's because we are aware of the world as it is. We have that awareness. And it's not in spite of us being a church. It is because we are a church that we are insistent that things cannot remain as they are. And so something like uh, courageously confronting racism is like essential to what it means for us to be a church. It's not something that's added on. So, this is the second, we're about to end our second full year of uh, weekly worship here in Cottage Grove. But the dreams and the planning for what would eventually become the Grove Cottage Grove started all the way back in 2019 and then extended kind of into the year 2020. And so by early 2020, if you can remember, you want to put yourself into the spot of early 2020. There's some groans. Um, By early 2020, as we were uh, approaching and trying to think about um, launching this new thing in Cottage Grove, we were insistent, we being not only us here in Cottage Grove, but the leadership of the Grove as a whole. We have a Woodbury location, too. We were insistent that we need to get really clear on the mission, vision, and values that went across our whole church. One, so that we could be clear when we were telling people about this new church that we were starting, what it was going to be like. We could paint that picture for them. But more importantly, that mission, vision, and values were going to shape everything that we did going forward. It's not just to do something that we said and we talked about, it was that it was going to inform what we did going forward. And so that kicked off what ended up being like a months-long process and months of study Uh, looking at uh, what the Bible says and looking at our own theological history and then coming to a better understanding of our own community. Uh, Dan and Kelly, the two pastors uh, from uh, Woodbury and then myself and Rich Stobie here in Cottage Grove really kicked off this work and, and dug deep into this study of trying to figure out what are we being called to? What kind of church are we being called to? How does that inform our mission, vision, and values that will then inform What we do and what we're about as a church. And then, right in the middle of that work, smack dabbing in the middle of that work, on May 25th, 2020, George Floyd was murdered by a Minneapolis police officer. And the video comes out, and our city is shocked and saddened and outraged. Our country is shocked and saddened and outraged. The world is shocked and saddened and outraged. And I, I don't actually know what it was about George Floyd's murder that, that kicked things off, where it, it became clear to many people that uh, the, that awareness kicked in. Why that awareness hadn't kicked in before, I'm not sure. But it became clear to many people that things had to be different. Uh, Breonna Taylor had been killed in her own home by uh, Louisville police officers just a couple months before that. It did not kick off the same type of awareness. Uh, just a, a couple weeks before that, Ahmaud Arbery, who was was killed, uh, who was lynched by people while he was out for a run, the video came out just Two weeks before that, it did not have the same type of reaction as, as George Floyd's death. I don't know what was really different about George Floyd's death, but, but something about it catalyzed some sort of awareness within people, within our country, where it was almost, almost clear, almost clear that things needed to be different. And so all of a sudden, in the middle of 2020, if you can put yourself back in that situation, whether you want to or not, Things seemed like they might be changing. Support for Black Lives Matter shot through the roof, shot through the roof, across the political divide. Um, These major corporations were releasing these uh, long detailed statements about their their support for the movement. Uh, People got on social media and they changed their profile pictures to those black squares, remember this? Uh, major sports teams changed their names after holding on to them for years and years and years. These police officers were indicted. They were indicted. They were charged. And then th- they were found guilty? Like, that was, that was substantially different. And perhaps most remarkably and to, to some people, churches started talking about this stuff. Even conservative churches started talking about this stuff and saying, we got to get this in order. Something has to be different and maybe it starts with us. And so in the middle of 2020, there was this this, uh, growing awareness where it seemed there was maybe a conviction that things needed to be different. That included us as a church, even though the Grove, Cottage Grove, had not launched yet. The Grove as a whole was thoroughly in existence. And so uh, one of the things that I was responsible for doing at that time is I actually wrote a statement that was released on behalf of our core team, which is like our our church leadership, um, in order for us to say, "This this is how we're seeing this, this is where we stand as a church. And This is the statement that I wrote and then was released in June of that year. As we seek to grow goodness, the Grove is dedicated to cultivating the common good. This includes the important work of anti-racism, affirming the sacred worth and dignity of everyone, but especially Black, Indigenous, and people of color. We recognize our need to continue to learn and grow into the work of combating racism, In so doing, we are living into our baptismal vows to accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. In the weeks that have followed the murder of George Floyd, the CORE team has been engaging in deep discernment about how to lead our church in the sustained effort of truth-telling, which confronts and combats racism in ourselves, our church, and in our world. The core team is entering into a study on racism, seeking an outside consultant to help us navigate the journey of racial divide and strategize how to create and reinforce a culture of love and forgiveness for all. Statements and studies can be limiting. Still, we are committed to the hard work and long pathway of transforming our souls and systems. I want to highlight two pieces of this as I was thinking about this last week and then going back Three years to this statement that was written at that time i said that george floyd's murder happened in the middle of that deliberation process for us as a church about what are our mission and vision and values how do we talk about who we are as a church but more importantly how does that shape what we do as we seek to grow goodness does this sound familiar grow goodness this is the first time we ever used those two words publicly it was directly tied to our efforts to combat racism. And then it says, cultivating the common good. This might actually be the first time that I use that phrase anywhere, not just in public, and that phrase became one of our four guiding values. To grow goodness and to cultivate the common good from the beginning was intimately linked to our work of courageously combating racism. This isn't something tangential that gets added on on the side. And then at the very end, we are committing to the we're committed to the hard work and long pathway of transforming our souls and systems. Not just putting out a statement, not just changing our profile picture to be a black square, but we're committed to this hard work and long pathway why is that important? Well, if you also remember back to 2020 and then the days and the weeks and the months that followed that, not everything changed. In many ways, things reverted back to the way they were before. Uh, there, was a big, there was a big rush on anti-racism books that happened in the middle of, of 2020. People ordered them online They never went and picked them up many bookstores were left with these pre-orders or these orders these online orders of books that people never went and picked up and in fact many of those same books in the the months and the years that have followed are now on lists of maybe we should ban these books um the 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 same uh, people who had Said, yeah, we we support Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter um, support has tanked since then. Uh, sports teams, yeah, they've just kind of moved on. They they might use some of these like end racism things. They put them in their end zones, the football teams, but really nothing has has been done uh, substantially since then. Uh, Derek Chauvin, who was the the officer who murdered George Floyd in the middle of his murder trial, in the middle of his murder trial, another unarmed black man was killed in the Twin Cities. Same as always. And then for churches, many of those same churches and those same pastors who made commitments at that time, things need to be different now that we're aware of it, aren't talking anymore because they're concerned about what might happen as a result of them speaking out. It's almost as if, like Abram, we need to commit to this continual journey. It's almost as if we need to continue to put it out there, not in spite of us being people of faith, but because we are people of faith, to continue to say, we are aware of the world as it is, and it is not as it should be, and we need to commit to this hard work this continual journey in order that in order that we might grow goodness in order that we might cultivate the common good and so my my prayer for us as individuals and as a church is that we can be engaged in just that type of work that type of work that is often uncomfortable that type of work that often we make mistakes in the process of but that type of work that is truly about growing goodness in and through us, in and through our community, in and through our church, cultivating the common good in a way that brings us together and gets us into some good trouble. So may that be so.